Midnight Breakfast Cafe presents a new series, Brunch of Thrones, where several pals discuss their thoughts on the hit HBO show, Game of Thrones. This is Natalie. And I'm Stacy. And Tracy can't make it this week. So today we're discussing episode three, which is called Queen's Justice. Who do you think was the MVP this episode? That's a tough one. I would say Tyrion is a strong contender for actually facilitating a discussion between Jon Snow and Daenerys. Yeah, he's pretty good. I also thought that um, Ser Davos was pretty good as well in, like, stepping in and, like... Yeah, it's like, hey, 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 you don't know who you're talking to. This dude is my (laughs) homie, and don't you dare talk down to him like that. Like, this dude is a bastard but he's so cool that in the north nobody cares that he's a bastard it's like Daenerys I feel that you are a strong woman who deserves good things in life and you are so tired of men talking down to you but at the same time it's like you gotta stop putting your daddy's name out there especially since your daddy is known for being crazy I think Sam also did pretty well. Hopefully, if Jorah comes back and he's like, oh yeah, this guy, Sam, who healed me, told me about White Walkers. That would that would be helpful. I thought it was great, too, how the Archmaester is like, how exactly did you succeed when so many other maesters with so many years of experience failed? And Sam's answer was basically, I followed the instructions. Yes. Like, you're just makes you wonder what those other maesters before him who failed, like, what exactly did they do wrong? Like, were they like, well, it says two teaspoons, but ah, that doesn't seem right. Just one teaspoon is fine. What a waste of ingredients. I think, well, also, Sam was really bad at, like, promoting himself. And he's probably, even though he doesn't have, like, the link that denotes, like, healing or whatever, he's probably read a lot of medical books because he's Sam. And he worked in the library. That's true. And he probably does have a lot of first-hand knowledge from just helping around at Castle Black. But we also have to remember, Sam is a person who's been talked down to all of his life. Yeah, so he he was good. I I like how Jorah was like, it must be the weather and the rest. (laughs) Yeah, you prescribed me. Like, plenty of rest, and I did that, and I'm better now. You guys are amazing healers. Yep. Thanks, Doc. Actually, I think we we get to give Tyrion MVP because he masterminded the unsuccessful siege of um, Casterly Rock as well. (laughs) Well, the short-lived... He masterminded it, even though it didn't succeed, as you pointed out. He, like, miscalculated how important casterly rock was that's true he's planning everything based on the assumption that he's going against his father and he's um assuming that cersei would do what tywin lannister would do but cersei as we're finding out is actually quite a bit more clever than her dad is Mm, and i i don't think it's also i don't know if we can say that yet she is quite clever in like an animal cunning sort of way, but maybe not in a will live sort of way. Right. I think her cleverness is all short term. 
but she does not know how to plan for the long game. What did you think of Mark Gatness in this episode? <laughs> I was thinking, man, that guy from the Iron Bank seems so evil. I wonder why. Oh, yes, it's because it's Mark Gatness. That's exactly why I think he looks it's evil. Like Smuggy makes smug smug. He's like Mycroft, but even more Mycroft. Yeah. I'm just like waiting for Benedict Cumberbatch now to appear as like the hand of the Iron Throne. Yeah, you heard it here first at Brunch of Thrones. Benedict <laughs> Cumberbatch is in season eight. Yeah, surprise cameo. <laughs> what were some things that stood out to you in this episode? Hmm. I really enjoyed Jon Snow calling Daenerys and everybody else children. Yeah. Because I thought it was a little, it was more than a little well deserved at that point. As much as I think Daenerys is a badass, she does seem to have a childlike approach to her right to sit on the Iron Throne. Why are you supposed to be king of Westeros? Because I am. Because I am Daenerys Stormborn. Because I am the last surviving member of House Targaryen. Because I say so. Yeah. And Jon Snow is coming in to remind everybody why does that matter? Sure, I don't care who sits on the Iron Throne as long as we kill the White Walkers. Let us focus on the bigger picture here, which is the survival of all humankind. Well, I, I feel like Daenerys, like her her survival technique, like was very successful for the first few seasons of the show when no one believed in her. And she's like, I'm Daenerys Storborn. This is my birthright. Like that worked really well. Yes. But now it's like time to change you know, that was a very successful tactic, season one through five, maybe. After she burned all those Dothraki leaders. Yeah. That was cold. Oh, but the coldest bitch is only on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tyrion and Jon had a lot of great conversations. Man, the brooding competition was my favorite. <laughs> You mentioned that this was like the reunion of the bastards, and then there's like the brood war, the brooding wars. Yes. I came here to brood, but damn it, you're doing it better than I did. So who do you think is the best brooder in all of Westeros? Do we get to bring back all the dead people? Yes. I don't know. I feel like Ned Stark has Jon Snow beat. Really? Like Sean Bean as a contemplative sad man that is true but the thing is he seems this more contemplated whereas john it's kind of john snow against the world he has those curly black hair against his pale skin and the very obvious wolf skin on his cloak mm. i'm sure viserys was a pretty good breeder too but we don't like him he was very pouty he's a good powder i don't know about a brooder what about mm. daenerys as a brooder I feel like she is not the type of person who sits around and feels sorry for herself. She's the sort of person who does stuff. I think she feels sorry for herself very often, except she has dragons so she can do something about it. Old Lady Oleana, may she rest in peace. <laughs> what about the Hound? Oh, he's good. Yeah, he, he, he is... broods a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think he has Jon Snow beat. He is a better brooder than Jon Snow. He is a funnier brooder than Jon Snow, for sure. <laughs> I'm just thinking about Sam when 
the the arc master was examining Jorah, and then Sam just like looked like he he had swallowed a lemon or something. <laughs> Andy was saying he just loves looking at Sam's face. Like Sam just has the, these really good facial responses to everything. Like he has all these different faces that just say I'm fucked in so many different ways. You know who we forgot? Ew. Jorah. Jorah broods. Ooh. No. <laughs> no, I I kind of like Jorah when he's not being all like Mr. Nice Guy. The thing is like Jorah, he's too outdoorsy. He looks like he should be a cowboy. So the hound it is, we award the title of best brooder of Westeros. Hmm. I would say he's the best overall brooder, but there are some other people who get like honorable mentions. Like I think I have to give Jamie an honorable mention in brooding. And then, like, Bran Stark gets Emo Prince Award. Oh, the emoist. Also, do you think that Jon Snow is no longer King of the North because of Bran's reappearance? Do you think they're going to try to crown him anyway? No, because Bran is a paraplegic. Mm-hmm. And maybe it would work in the South, but I think in the North. The Northern Lords really want a King in the North who is physically able. And do you think it's a good idea that Bran was like, I need to talk to John, not you, Sansa, because I have nothing to say to you, except to be really creepy. <laughs> I think the biggest problem with most of the characters, especially the Stark family, is the lack of communication. So I do think that Bran should have talked to Sansa, even if what he has to say is something that is meant for John. You want somebody you trust to also know it, so if anything happens to you, they can tell John. And I'm pretty sure what Bran has to say is that, John, you are not Ned Stark's bastard, you are Lyanna's bastard with Rhaegar Targaryen, which makes you half Targaryen, half Stark. You are half ice and half fire. But still all snow. That's true. Like, hot snow. <laughs> yes. Jon Snow, hot snow. <laughs> the hottest snow. <laughs> that sounds like a dessert. Mm. It'd be like an, a snowball or something where it's like ice on the outside, but you open it and it's like molten lava, like molten chocolate. Yeah. So you heard it here on Brunch of Thrones first, everybody. If this dessert starts popping up everywhere, we came up with it first. What did you think about, like, Cersei, Alaria, and the Sand Snake daughter whose name I don't really care about? She, her only purpose in the episode was to die gruesomely. The poor girl. They had great abs. They had really great abs. (laughs) Alaria had the most amazing abs. Oh my god. Well, do you think this is the last that we see of her? No. No. Because I think she will be freed at some point, and then she will try and kill Cersei. And man, I just have to say, Cersei is coming up with like some really, really stone-cold way of getting back at people. But is it Cersei, or is it like Quiborn? Because Quiborn's like, she's like, oh, he's the cleverest man I know. I think Quiborn is the cue to Cersei's deranged bond. Yeah. Like, he supplies her with everything. Yeah, and then, like, so after she did that, she was like, okay, Jamie, we gotta do sexy times. Oh, gosh. And then he just admitted to Oleana that he's, like, in over his head. But, you know, I think 
everybody knows that he's in over his head. It's just kind of important for him to finally admit it to himself. And also the way that, you know, the method of death that he presented to her is also very, in a way, poetic justice because she is the one who poisoned Joffrey and he offered her poison as well. I feel like after she told him that, she he should have just picked her up and tossed her out the window. <laughs> I feel like at that point he was kind of like, we knew. Yeah, well, poor Jamie. Sucks for him. He's stuck between two hard places. I just wonder, like, how can you stay in love with somebody like this? Love, like, people do crazy shit for love. That's We've true. We've written, like, songs about it. People kill people for it. Yeah. Torture like the whole, for it. The whole Mummy franchise is, like, built on love. So one of my favorite lines in the episode was um, when Daenerys says to Tyrion, oh, so Sir Davos said he took a knife to the heart, and then Tyrion's like, oh, you must allow them their flights of fancy. It's dreary in the north. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and it's like, yes, we, we kind of believe them about the White Walkers, but, you know, they are a poetic folk because they just stare at snow all the time. <laughs> yes. It's kind of like, all oh, the Northerners are known for coming up with really weird stories, but we must totally believe them about the White Walkers. Do you think that Melisandre told them that she brought Jon Snow back to life? I don't know, because Varys seems like he knows something, and it was it was quite interesting, their conversation about how she, she has to die here. Right. Like she's like seeing her death in the fire, and she's like, well, gotta stay put. Right, well... She also told Varys that both of them were kind of destined to die far from home. Mm -hmm. She could have been alive probably since the previous long night. Isn't that like a thousand years or something, though? She looked decrepit, though. Like, she looked like the Crypt Keeper. Maybe she was alive before, like, the fall of Valeria, or whatever it's called. Before the Targaryens crossed the Narrow Sea. Uh... The fall of Valyria coincided with the long night. Oh, okay then. That's convenient. <laughs> yeah, so possibly she was alive the last time the White Walkers roamed the Earth. Probably a child. So it's been her mm -hmm. life mission to um, survive and help humanity fight off the White Walkers once again. Theon just can't get a break, right? Like, every time you think he's hit a low, he manages to hit a new low in the eyes of his friends and family. It was cold. Like, they rescued him, pulled him back on board, and he's like, I did everything I could. And they're just kind of like, if you did everything you could, you wouldn't be here. Wah, wah, wah. So I think they were, Theon was rescued by Victarion, but, you know... The person was never introduced, so we can only assume. I'm There's one more uncle, but I'm not sure if he's in the he's in the books, but I'm not sure if he's like on the show. Oh. I think you mean Roderick Harlaw. So Roderick agrees to support Asha at the King's Moot. And mm -hmm. yes, he is their uncle on the mother's side. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I don't think he's been introduced in the TV show. Oh, well, we'll find out tomorrow. I'm sure they've, if not right now, they've probably identified him already. So do you think Arya's going to reach Winterfell next episode? Because this is shaping mm. up to be the Stark reunion season. 
I'm like wondering if she's gonna run into the hound again. I kind of hope she does, just you know, because I thought they were really cute together, like the big old hound taking care of this little wolf puppy. Mm-hmm. Well, like as cute as anything ever is on Game of Thrones. Yes. <laughs> We're grading on a serious curve here when we talk about <laughs> cuteness. Speaking of cute things involving Arya, have you seen the rumors that Gendry is going to come back this season? I think you told me about them last time because he was spotted yes, um, the actor near the was set. Spotted. Where do you think Eric Sh- Eric Sheeran is right now? Do you think he was... <laughs> I think he was tragically murdered by Arya. <laughs> like... Or not Eric, Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. Yeah, yes. Either way, they were destined to die, even if Arya was not the one who killed them. What the freak is up with Littlefinger? Oh, seriously. Like, Sansa's going about being her, doing her Lady of the Castle business, being a very good leader, and Littlefinger is just following her around, like, being creepy. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to say serious props to the actor, because... He is doing a really good job communicating Littlefinger's creepiness. Like, whenever I see Littlefinger, I just I just want to take like a long hot shower and just like wash the secondhand creepiness off of me. Yeah, and but like what about what he said? And I was like, wow, if Littlefinger lives this way, like that sucks. That sounds real tough. I'm also just like so surprised that he gets anywhere in life. Like. Like, how do people not see his creepiness? And, like, Sansa knows he's creepy. She knows exactly what he wants. And she knows that he is, like, he's pretty good at getting under people's skin. And yet she allows him to, like, talk to her. He does have the Knights of the Veil. Yes, but, you know, this is one of those times where you're, like, you should make sure Brienne is with you everywhere. Always have a chaperone. Never let Littlefinger to have an opportunity to talk to you alone. I don't like this episode so much. It just feels like an appetizer. I do. I felt the same way last week, actually. I feel like the first few episodes this season are kind of, they're scene-setting episodes. Yeah, but so far, like, Danny and Tyrion's plans have just been, like, a mess. Like, they have not been successful at all. Team Cersei looks like they're doing real well. And, you know, like, it seems like mostly luck because they're all, like, not terribly sane nor competent people. Mm-hmm. And yet, like, Danny has all these sane and competent people. <laughs> And it's just, it's just not working out for her. Well, she's at the disadvantage, which is she is an outsider to Westeros. And that is what Cersei is kind of relying on. She's using xenophobia to rally mm-hmm. the forces of Westeros behind her. And so even though Dany has all these smart and competent people, they don't quite understand Westeros anymore. Tyrion hasn't really been in Westeros for several seasons. He has no more allies. I think Danny could invest in a couple of spies. That's what she could do. Yeah, like, what is Varys good for if he's not, like, setting up a spy network? Right. Or maybe he has... You would think he has one in place, but he's not getting any information out of it. Like, where are his little birds? <laughs> like, in the books, his little birds murder people. Yeah. Like, couldn't his little birds, like, murder some other people? They've probably flown south for the winter, pun intended. 
They had flown south. You know who was in the south? Euron recently. Yeah. I feel like the smartest thing right now for Daenerys to do is definitely team up with Jon Snow, stop quibbling about whether or not Winterfell should return to the folds of the Seven Kingdom. Well, right now, like, her freaking army is... Let me Google Westeros. Let's look at the map. I need a big... This map is not big enough. <laughs> okay, so she's in Dragonstone. She's like a stone's throw from King's Landing. Yep. And her army is like on the other side. It's on the, the west side, Westeros. And like Jamie's army is at Highgarden. It's between King's Landing and Casterly Rock. So like if they wanted to move, they would have to fight through. Mm-hmm. Jamie's army, and then they're like being bombarded on the other side by Euron's fleet. Yeah, yeah. So like, she got nobody now. Like, she got like the twenty people who's protecting her at Dragonstone. Yeah, Highgarden's fallen. Dorne has fallen. In fact, I'm kind of surprised that Jon Snow even reached Dragonstone because he would have had to sail. I think it's fine because like his ally um, oh, Littlefinger controls the Eerie. That's true. And Sir Davos was a smuggler before he became respectable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So probably he knew all the little ways to get in and out of Dragonstone without mm-hmm. being seen by the enemy fleet. And what's happening at River Run? Nobody cares. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm, like, looking at the map again, and I, like, can't figure out how Euron is getting from places. Maybe there's some sort of wormhole on the high seas, like a Bermuda's Triangle that lets him just sail to different places in the nick of an eye. Like, do you see the map where he, like, has been able to get to and from King's Landing, and, like, no one has seen him on Dragonstone? And Dragonstone's, like, at the mouth of... There's, like, a bay... And then Dragonstone's, like, at the mouth of it. And I'm like, how is he, like, sneaking back and forth? Right. Like, in that case, you know, Daenerys's dragons could just decimate him without even having Daenerys to go anywhere. She'd just be, like, just flying at the mouth of the bay and be like, fire! And she would just take care of the entire fleet. Yeah, like, no, because last episode, he was, like, at King's Landing, and he went to Sunsphere, and then he came back. And then he, like, goes to Casterly Rock. And you're like, wait, how does this make sense? Like, either, like, Danny is really incompetent, or, like, they've paid somebody to, like, look the other way. Or the ocean is actually, like, way bigger than it looks like it is. But... How how's this working? Yeah, let me have a look again. Like, is there like a freaking canal? Like, I don't know about. There is this little peninsula, to the south. So I guess maybe they could sail really close towards that peninsula. But otherwise, like, yeah, Dragon View, Dragonstone should have a really good view of the only way into Blackwater Bay. I feel like the showrunners have stopped consulting this map. I guess there is another possibility is that Euron's fleet sails somewhere else and cross the remainder by land. Maybe. that That's actually a good idea. I was thinking maybe they could have sailed to Storm's End because there is a very good highway leading straight from Storm's End to King's Landing. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, based on the footage in the episode, I think it was implied that they just sailed straight to King's Landing. Someone's not doing their job. 
Or it could have been Daenerys has sent her entire, all her ships, save like one or two, to Casterly Rock. So there's no other ships that she can, she can use to attack the fleet. I, I thought maybe the dragons would be like, no, they're obviously not because Jon Snow got through, but it's like, they're not good guard dogs. No. Well, I think part of it is that Daenerys is trying really hard to be, to not be like her father. So she's very hesitant to attack people. So it could be, you know, there's so many ships sailing in and out of King's Landing, but without knowing for sure which ships belong to Euron, she doesn't want to set fire to them. Um, I don't know. I I don't think I like the idea of Daenerys falling in love with Jon Snow. Part of it is that we know that Jon Snow is an animated, free animated corpse. So that would just... You know, there'd be a lot of complications. I don't even know if he could have children. Well, she can't have children until the sun sets the wrong way. That's true. And that is also when Khal Drogo will come back to her. Except we don't know in what guise. Thank you for listening to this special Brunch of Thrones episode of Midnight Breakfast Cafe. If you enjoyed our episode, please rate, review, like, and or subscribe to us on your preferred podcast app. We are also on Twitter at MBC Podcast. Our blog is midnightbreakfastcafe.wordpress.com. Happy brunch and breakfast, everyone. <laughs>